0: Labor Day is just around the corner. This is the perfect occasion to look at the landscape for unions and other working people and spend some time with the current head of the Chicago Federation of Labor, Bob Ryder. Hello, I'm political editor Craig Delamore, and this is At Issue. My guest this weekend is Robert Ryder, Jr. He was elected president of the CFL this June, succeeding Jorge Ramirez, who served 12 years in the job. Bob Ryder was secretary treasurer of the Federation before that. He's an attorney by profession. He was a lawyer for the Operating Engineers International Union Local 150. He's been a lobbyist, a negotiator, and an organizer as well. Now he is leading the third largest central labor council in the AFL-CIO. The Chicago Federation of Labor was created back in 1896. Hard to believe, but it was as a way to strengthen the efforts of individual labor unions by creating a single voice. Well, it's a challenging time to be raising that voice, as I expect we will hear. Bob Ryder, welcome. Greg, it's great to be here. And Bob's been with us before, although he's uh, usually been uh, helping... uh, Helping Jorge Ramirez. I'm the guy in the background. Or at least I was the guy in the background. He was the guy in the
1: background. All of a a sudden, I'm the guy sitting in front of the microphone.
0: And there was a lot of applause uh, among the people in and around the CFL when Bob uh, became uh, the president. uh, Really nice guy. Um, And full disclosure, I might as well get it out of the way. Right at the top. Just about all of the on-air people here at WBBM Radio are members of a labor union. It's called SAG-AFTRA, and that union is a member of the Chicago Federation of Labor and therefore also a part of the AFL-CIO. But we are still going to have to deal with some tough questions during this interview, and I'm sure Bob is expecting that.
1: Craig, real quick, just so your listeners know, and you probably know this as well, you know, I'm a you know, SAG-AFTRA, Chicago News Guild. We represent a CWA NABIT. I have, you know, sitting here with us today is my secretary treasurer at the CFL, Don Villar, who used to be a um, news producer, news writer at Channel 7. The thing that I, I really appreciate being someone who's super supportive of of the media, obviously, you know, we had this deal with the Sun-Times last year, SAG-AFTRA and other unions that represent people in the news industry. You guys, I can't come to you guys for politics, and I'm and, and that's something that I I think is great because it reinforces the integrity of what um, you folks do as uh, journalists, as on-air talent when you're presenting the news, and you know BBM like like the Sun Times. You guys are the you know you're you're the you're the um, you know, like sometimes is the paper a record, or at least we think it's the paper of record for for the Midwest. Um, you know, BBM's the uh, radio station of record for news here
0: in Chicago. But I'm totally cool. Ask me the tough questions. I'm ready. Well, thank you. And uh, just to put a cap on on this, uh, at least for SAG after, and this is for and they represent the broadcasters at most of the uh, uh, TV and uh, many of the radio stations here. It's in our Constitution that we cannot take political positions on uh, partisan issues. Anyway, uh, let's get to the actual news that's going on, because... um, Is there uh, news going on? Yeah, (laughs) too much. Uh, And and this is a time when Governor Rauner uh, often blames unions for some of the state's financial problems. The White House and the courts are uh, making dire pronouncements or proposals. So... Is this a really bad time to be a fairly uh, uh, new lead labor leader? <laughs>
1: no, I actually think that's a great time. You, know, you talked in your in the intro about the CFL. 1896 is when we were chartered, chartered, and uh, you know, if you look at the climate in the 1800s, not too different than what it is now. I think that now is the time to make history again. In the labor movement, I think now is the time that the the people that are within our ranks, but also the larger public, need to have a force advocating for them. I mean, you look at what happened in Missouri here uh, a couple of weeks ago when they tried to, um, the Republican legislature and the Republican governor um, passed this law to um, make Missouri right to work. And we can get into what right to work means because it doesn't mean what it says but it's basically an anti-union law it got put on the it got put on the ballot then as a citizens referendum right because you have this in some states where you can you you can undo something that a legislature has done and a governor signed into law and you know you had they they ran this citizens referendum during a primary election where people were going to the ballot boxes either republicans and democrats and overwhelmingly both sides together republicans and democrats voted Against this anti-union law, so the the public, the public needs us more than ever. You know, union or not, everybody's labor.
0: Well, uh, last month, some executive orders signed by President Donald Trump took effect, uh, and this was definitely uh, not by people who think they need labor unions around. It would make it easier to uh, fire federal employees, and it prohibits an employee from filing a grievance, in other words, a complaint uh, over a performance rating. In other words, you get a bad rating and you think it's unjustified, you could file a complaint among, about that, uh, and this these executive orders would keep that from happening. Well, this month, a federal judge is supposed to rule on a move to block that order. We're expecting that ruling to come down any day now. It's also possible it could happen... While we're on the air or before this show airs. But but why should anybody, Bob, but federal workers care? Well,
1: first, let's point out the hypocrisy of Donald Trump, the president who said he was about the American worker, but he picks and chooses, he picks winners, he picks losers. And if you look at what the folks in the federal sector have to contend with every day, people need to understand that federal sector... Unions don't have the same rights as state public sector unions or private sector unions. These are people that are limited in their ability to um, bargain over certain topics when they're, um, you know, fighting for a contract, right? They have um, limited ability to, um, you know, uh, collect, collect dues from people that they are mandated to represent, which is ties into something I'm sure you'll want to talk about later, the Janus uh, Supreme Court decision. Uh, you know, these the, these are folks who are in a union environment where they already have two hands tied behind their back. Donald Trump comes in with these executive orders, and he wants to further limit uh, the ability of these unions, like the American Federation of Government Employees. He wants to limit their ability to be able to represent people in the workplace, right? I don't think any of that should surprise us. I mean, if you look at, you know, Donald Trump, he's no different than Bruce Rauner. He, they, they say, you know, they, they they like to create all this imagery about, you know, being with the working class, you know, whether it's Bruce Rauner in his Carhartt jacket or Donald Trump in that silly red hat that he wears. You know, they're not really about the American worker. They're about running this long con on people to have them support... You know, support them against their own interests. What Donald Trump is doing through these executive orders is just taking another shot at labor, just like when he appointed Neil Gorsuch to the Supreme Court.
0: Well, the U.S. Supreme Court uh, issued a ruling in that case that you were talking about, the Janus case, that was really the culmination of a, a long debate and a long court fight. Uh, this was a, a, one uh, a ruling that was in May that labor leaders predicted would permanently weaken public employee labor unions. And when we say public, we mean uh, unions that represent people who work for various governments at different levels. The justices ruled five to four that non-union members at public agencies do not have to pay what are called fair share fees. Uh, That's a portion of union dues. It would be in exchange for being represented and, in some cases, protected by the unions, their contracts and collective bargaining. Uh, This was an Illinois case. Bruce Rauner, uh, the governor, said it was about free speech, that people have the right to say, I don't want my money used for political purposes that I don't agree with. And the unions that bargain with government agencies, he says, are inherently political. What do you say and what effect is this having on the unions?
1: So... There's one thing that I want to challenge on 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 all of this, and that the Janus Supreme Court case isn't isn't something that will permanently weaken unions. It is something that is an attempt to permanently weaken unions. What we've seen in the wake of this Janus decision, and 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 you gave a an accurate description. We you know under federal labor law, under public labor law, we have a duty of fair representation that we have to give to folks that we represent in a bargaining unit. See, we don't represent just the people that pay dues to the union and are full union members. We have to represent everyone that's in the group of employees that we are certified to represent. Right. So here, so here at the station, if you're, you know, if we're talking about on air reporters or if we're talking about construction, say it's a company that employs electricians, Right. the union is supposed to represent all those electricians or all those UAW people, you know, uh, parts assemblers at, at at a factory, regardless of whether they're a member of the union or not, right? And, you know, what Janice says in the public sector is despite the fact that you have to represent all these people in this bargaining unit, all these state employees in a particular office or work setting, they don't have to pay for the representation you give them. So you're mandated to negotiate a contract. If these people um, have an adverse employment situation and they want to bring a grievance, then the union has to address this adverse employment situation and they have a duty of fair representation that person. It's it. The thing that blows my mind about Janice and anybody who advocates for right to work it usually comes from it usually comes from the right it comes from republican administrations or republican uh uh backed groups and it completely goes against you know the your ability to contract because what what it's really saying is you can't have um you know the the fair share um part is actually part of the contract you negotiate with the employer. So, you know, if you're a public sector union in Illinois, you don't automatically get a fair share fee necessarily. You have to still negotiate union security clauses and things like that. Um, There, you know, there may be some states that have, that had more direct legislative mandates around it. But at the end of the day, whether it's right to work, or In the public sector, the private sector, the whole idea is just ridiculous because, it, it, you know, what what Republican, what right-leaning person is going to come out and say, you know, I'm going to give you something for free and not expect uh, due uh, uh, compensation as a matter of equity, right? So it completely goes against the concept of equity.
0: But is the effect of it really in some ways just to um, put a bigger financial burden on the unions themselves that they, you have to do the same oh, job, absolutely. but the number of people paying for that job to be done is cut.
1: Absolutely. But here's what I, our experience around these parts have been, I can't speak for the whole country and and thank God we have, so, we have somebody like Bruce Rauner here right now when all this is happening. Cause he's such a horrible employer that, you know, a lot of folks who are fair share payers, are now converting to full union membership. So intuitively, right, everyone's expecting all these people that are, you know, paying fair share before, they're just going to drop their fair share fees and then they're going to just disappear into the ether and we're going to have to represent them but not, you know, you know not, not have the resources to actually do our job. What we're seeing is, hey, we're, we're better off with the union protecting us we're, you know, we're no longer going to be, you know, if fair share is going away, we're just going to join the union.
0: Hmm. And, and that, that, is, uh, that is one uh, part of this that is probably encouraging to uh, union people. But what about the notion, and this is popular in political rhetoric, that it is the unions that are helping to raise the cost of government at a time when people want to hold down costs, by pushing for higher salaries for, and for people to have less work uh, and, frankly, um, maybe not uh, be able to be put out of that work if they don't perform well.
1: It's complete nonsense because I used to bargain in the public sector when I worked at um, the operating engineers and the government, just like any other sector where you have to employ people, needs to re- remain competitive, right? you need to you need to offer something so people want to come work for you and oftentimes government has to meet that challenge of being able to recruit people to come in get talented people to come in and, and work for them i'm on the board of cook county hospital i'm you know i get involved with issues around you know our county government in general and our city government and there's times where you know they're like, they're like we need to recruit for these people and we're having a hard you know i i go to the county or i go to the city like why do we have a, why you know you guys have all these vacancies in x, y, or z positions. I'm like, well, we can't attract the people, right? So you know it's I'm not saying that that's what it is across the board, but there's instances of that. So this whole notion that you know somehow you know we've we've created this um, we've created higher wages in the public sector that are outside the market. It's just complete nonsense. It's you know we if if we are so fortunate that we have that we have so many hardworking people in the public sector here in 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 Chicago and Cook County in the state of Illinois because we have in reality one of the lowest governments uh per capita. So yet our people the lowest out,
0: costing we, governments.
1: Yeah. We we still go out and we kick butt every day.
0: You're listening to WBBM News Radio's At Issue. I'm political editor Craig Delamore. We're talking about labor issues as Labor Day nears, and my guest is Bob Ryder, president of the Chicago Federation of Labor. I want to talk in a slightly wider uh, sense about the perception, the public perception of unions. Do you feel it is getting better or worse as? The political discourse continues. I mean, Governor Scott Walker up in uh, in, in Wisconsin is still in charge after campaigning hard on uh, uh, loosening the grip of unions, uh, as he would say, uh, on the government. Governor Rauner won his race by running, at, at least in part against unions, also by running against Mike Madigan. So are we are we seeing a tug of war in the perception, or is this really... Unions under siege.
1: Craig, this isn't going to surprise you, but I see a lot of polling. Right, we do a lot of work in politics. We also do our own polling and message testing. You know, if anyone's been around Chicago and they've seen proud union home signs, that was a CFL campaign. We know where people are at. Right, we have higher favorability ratings than most people out there running for public office. And what I'll tell you is, Scott Walker gets elected governor in Wisconsin, but Tammy Baldwin you know, gets elected U.S. Senator in Wisconsin. Michigan goes right to work, but yet Michigan had an uptick in in union membership. You have an uptick in union membership in the South. We had an uptick in union membership here in Illinois. Bruce Rauner wins the governor's mansion when he ran against Pat Quinn, but every other statewide elected official is a pro-union Democrat, right? We all know that politics is toxic right now. No one's gonna. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna try to pretend it's not. But one thing I will tell you, that if it's it's what Missouri tells us, it's what the stats on on the increase in union membership in all these right to work states, and in and here in the Midwest, people still support unions. They think that unions are important. I mean, look. You know, we were talking about this earlier, and about you know when we were talking about SAG-AFTRA. You look at if you look just in the industry of of journalism, which has been under siege, you know, starts at the top, you know, with 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 the president. Um, you see all these places where the L.A. Times organized right, the Chicago the Chicago Tribune. Um, you know, is, is unionizing its reporters. Who thought that was ever going
0: to happen? Yes, Colonel, the, Colonel the Tribune, Yes, the Tribune was known as being an anti-union company on its editorial pages and oh. in its newsrooms.
1: Uh, Colonel McCormick is rolling over in his grave right now. But I think this, we, like I said it earlier, people are turning to unions to help level the playing field to protect themselves from the, all this inequity that we have right now in this country.
0: But there are still people who see unions as perpetuating some of the problems that we've had in in labor, whether it be uh, segregated professions where uh, minorities weren't uh, as welcome in unions in in years past as as they had been. Uh, How are you seeing unions today dealing with that? I mean, there every once in a while when something happens on the Chicago city council floor where it involves unions and the issue of minority workers comes up, you will see a block of aldermen, uh, who will say, we don't want to do this because we think the unions are going to keep, uh, keep, you know, black and Brown people out. How, do, how are you, how are unions as a whole dealing with that?
1: I'm glad you asked that question. So the, uh First thing I'd like to do is just talk about some of the people who have been, you know, great advocates over the course of the last few decades in raising the issues of race and fighting to um, have us be a more inclusive movement. I'm talking about people like uh, Eddie Wyatt who came out of the packing house workers who helped found the coalition of labor union women and the coalition of black trade unionists. Um, The guys like Bob Simpson who, was a teamster and is the president of the Chicago chapter he's also one of the founders you know the 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 coalition of black trade unionists and the coalition of labor union women which are national parts of the labor movement were founded here in Chicago um Bobby Vaughn right Bobby Vaughn you know a congressman i'm sure i'm sure you know you you knew Bobby Vaughn very well, well and, and and his and his wife Jackie, who ran, who ran, ran the. I Chicago. knew Jackie
0: better than I uh, knew Bobby, but yes.
1: Yeah, I mean, these are these are all people who advocated, you know, in, you know, in a in a lot of our industries, we we are we are the pathway to the middle class for um, African American and Latino workers, in the construction trades, we um, the CFL has been working with United Way and others to help do more to bring together all the programs that we have to try to get the next generation of folks ready to be apprentices to be in the in the building trades you know there's only so many jobs in the building trades but if we're going to fill these jobs in you know we need to make sure that that we that we're grabbing these kids that are um, coming out of Chicago public schools and give them an opportunity to work in the trades for too long we were trying to push too many people in the college and for too long, Chicago was a place where we had more workforce development programs than anywhere else, but it was complete chaos. And we need, and we saw an opportunity working with United way and working with some of the best people, some of the best people in workforce development and bringing all of our traits together to figure out how we can, you know, do something that's more efficient, better, and can actually, have an impact on young people's lives because you know you know what a lot of the problems that we have that we have here in the city and this is a great city but a lot of the problems and we should never hide from we can solve them by building these neighborhoods up and by putting people in the good jobs whether it's a job in manufacturing or it's a job as a bricklayer or an electrician but we got to get our act together in terms of making sure that we're making it easy for folks and demystifying and detangling it and one of the things that I'm proudest of during my time as secretary treasurer of the CFL and transitioning into becoming the president is one of the programs that I worked on is is now starting to is now starting to take off and I give a lot of credit to to my staff and the staff at the United way that we're that we're we're doing this I don't know that I don't know that we're gonna we're going to achieve everything we want to achieve, but we're not going to leave anything on the field.
0: All right. Um, with the few minutes we have left, and it's only a few, uh, I want to talk about your goals. Uh, one of them is building a stronger organizing climate. What does that mean and how do you do it?
1: Well, so, <laughs> I mean, it, 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 this goes back to what we were just talking about too. There's, you know, we, you go anywhere in the city of Chicago and you see a construction crew and, you know, you look to see who's, who's doing these jobs. There's a fairly good chance, depending on where you're at in the city, it could be, it could be a non-union crew and God bless the people trying to make money and that they're, 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 they're working a job. We want them in the labor movement, right? We want to raise standards. We raise standards for them. We raise standards for everybody. We want to make sure that we um, we we have all these things going on right now, where we have um, immigrant workers who are being exploited and targeted by um, by their employers, whether it be in the service industry or in manufacturing. We need we want them in the labor movement because there's so many different workers get divided every day, right? The it whether it's by whether it's the employer or it's you know the the president or whoever we're going to grow the labor movement. We need to start talking to each other. We need unions to work together. We need to be out there talking about what we do and why it's important. And, and, you know, whether it's organizing in the workplace or organizing around politics, if I'm successful as, as, as someone working at the CFL, you know, CFL president, I, I like to think of myself more as the CFL activist. If I'm successful as the CFL activist, that means that we have, you know, that we've got it. We're in the community organizing around issues to raise standards, not just for the workers, but also for their families.
0: But you know what I'm going to hear? And what I do hear from people is you guys are just trying to get more dues. You want more, more people in the union so you can get more money in the union. So we can have more money to spend on doing the things it wants to do. (laughs) I don't, you know, it, what is I heard it? that last week from someone. Yeah,
1: and, and and it's so nebulous. I mean, what are we what are we spending that money on? You, you know what I you know what I like to spend spend our resources on, on investing in community organizations that are, that are going to help build build the city of Chicago. I you know my my goal at the CFL is to staff up as much as I can so I can have people out there in the community. You know, we're, this Chicago is an activist town and it's waking up again, whether, you know, we, you know, whether it's some of our stronger trade unions, um, that are, that are out there trying to, you know, get, get more engaged in the community or it's a Chicago teachers union or it's SCIU or unite here. I will always bet on the Chicago labor movement that we'll get, we will, we will be fighting for people. It's not about dues. It's about, it's about being the hometown of the American labor movement.
0: We've got under a minute. Um, we're going to have some contract talks coming up in any number of things, police fire, uh, probably, uh, some of the other municipal. what kind of season is this going to be very uh, quickly?
1: Well, you know, it, the, we're always in a perpetual state of collective bargaining. The, the hotel workers, you know, they, they took a strike authorization vote, uh, last week, you know, uh, there's not one answer to that. We, I, I should I should point out that the that the police aren't part of the federation, so I can't really comment on on on, on what's going on with them. Um, but you know, uh, stable labor relations is good for everybody.
0: Well, we will uh, hope that that's what we see over the next year. But but uh, but
1: sometimes, Craig, sometimes you got to go out in the street and 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 fight and fight for fairness.
0: I do know that. <laughs> that is Bob Ryder. He is president of the Chicago Federation of Labor. Bob, thank you very much for spending uh, this half hour with us. It's been a pleasure. Thanks, Craig. Uh To our listeners, if you would like a copy of this program or just to hear it again, please visit our website. That is WBBMNewsRadio.com. You can also find our podcast on Radio.com. I will be back next week with another edition of At Issue. I think we'll be going back to electoral politics uh, next week. Uh, I hope you will be listening. Until then, I'm Craig Delamore, News Radio 780 and 105.9 FM. All-star closer, Kenley Jansen, we have a question. What's the best podcast of all time?